Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for our time together so far. And now, Father, as we open up Your Word, uh, we're reminded from Second Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for us. And so, uh, in recognition of that, Father, we, uh, we are thankful and grateful. And we ask You now through the Holy Spirit, the, the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth, that You would um, speak truth through Your Word. And Lord, uh, again, that we would not just be hearers, but doers as You bring uh, application to each of us individually. Lord, for You know us. You know us, Lord. And so, Father, uh, we yield, we submit, and ask You to do what only You can do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You see on your sermon notes there, there's uh, two verses that, that really kind of are foundational, summarize what we've been doing this whole fall. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We studied for months, the first months of this fall, God's goodness, the biblical teaching about God's goodness. And then we saw in Romans 2, 4, that God's goodness, His kindness, is actually tied into a very, very strong word called repentance. A word that many of us uh, may have heard, but I'm guessing many of us never really use or maybe uncomfortable. Didn't, didn't even think that repentance still applied to us because I'm saved. Why do I still need to repent? Wasn't that just to get saved? And we've learned over the last several weeks that Biblical repentance isn't just for a moment of salvation. It is an ongoing part of our life, part of following Jesus, because biblical repentance at its core, we learned what? Is a change of a change of mind. To repent biblically is simply to change your mind, which means your whole being, and as you change your mind and it sinks into your whole being, your behavior changes. That's to repent. That's repentance. In fact, we saw in Revelation, right? Several churches were called to repent, to change their mind, even when they thought things were going well. Imagine that. Are you, are we as a church, are you as a believer open to Jesus coming into your life and saying, hey, I know you think things are going well. I know you think you're on the right track. But you need to repent. What? That's, that's really a rubber meets the road moment. That, that's really where we've been uh, this fall is, okay, the foundation is God's goodness. Right? God is good and what He does is good. So He has at His core being, He has good for us. Hebrews says He disciplines us for our good. Romans says His goodness leads us to repentance. So we have to connect all those because if we're going to stay at the place with Jesus in openness and submission and surrender, we've got to trust His goodness. Amen? You've got to trust His goodness. Because in His goodness, He might show you something that you don't want to see. And it's at that moment where you're going to be tested in your belief about His goodness. Because if you believe His goodness and you believe that He really wants good for you, when He shows you something in your life that you need to repent of, you need to change your mind, you would say, thank you. And we jokingly talk about looking in the mirror. 
You looked in the mirror this morning. The mirror said many things, some you didn't want to hear. You listened to your mirror. You were thankful for your mirror because you showed up here in many ways in a better state than when you woke up. Amen? I I can see. Your mirror said something, you heard it, and you did it. Amen? So we've been talking about this is really God's mirror. In His goodness, He says, here's, here's a mirror. And because I love you and I want what's best for you, I'm going to show you things in your character. I'm going to show you things in your life that, that are, aren't in line with what I want. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to receive it with the same openness as you did your mirror this morning? Ooh. Especially, as we saw in, in Revelation, when you or I think we're doing pretty darn good. I'm not as bad as I used to. You should have seen me before. I've made a lot of progress, and, and I'm not downplaying that. You celebrate that. We always got to celebrate that, right? This isn't a beat you up. This isn't a you're, you're not good enough message. This is a don't get complacent. And we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Is your ultimate goal as a believer to be good and happy or godly and holy? I mean, are we here this morning so that we can leave and just be gooder people and happier people? Or are we here this morning because not forsaking the gathering of the brethren... Being in God's Word, worshiping Him is part of God's transformation in our lives unto godliness and holiness. These are heart-level questions that we've been asking and I encourage you to take the time, even in the busyness of the holiday season, maybe as you look at 2016, maybe you need to ask yourself, have a little inventory. Yeah, why do we go to church? Why do they keep telling me to read my Bible? Why do they keep telling me to have a quiet time? Because if you're just shooting to be good and happy and you feel like you're already there, a lot of this is just extra. A lot of this is just take it or leave it add-on stuff. Why do I need to go to church? I'm good. I'll go to church when I need to, which really means crisis. Right? And a lot of us, we, we kind of get in this mode of good and happy, and then we'll read Scripture, we'll hunt for Scripture, we'll pray, we'll go to church, we'll start, we'll start being more around when life isn't so good. Because our good and happy got disturbed. But all the things that we encourage you to do, all the things that, that the disciplines of the faith, they're all designed to keep us going towards godliness and holiness. Amen? That's, that's our ultimate goal. And, and, and integral to that, okay, is God's goodness and repentance. See, here's the thing. If I'm here and God has moved in my life and I'm here, okay, many of you are here. You're good. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're good. Right? You're, you're, you're good. Here's the thing. How are you going to get from here to here? How, how is this going to happen? Repentance. Because to get from here to here, you've got to perhaps change your mind. 
which means you allow God to speak truth to you and say, you know what? Yeah, I celebrate, you know. You're, you're doing some good things. But in the pursuit of godliness and holiness, let me show you something. Let me speak truth to your heart. And at that point, especially for, for you who have been believers for a while, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged at the core of your faith because you're good. And you got the furniture arranged just like you want it. And you got your schedule and even church and Bible reading and prayer all fits your schedule in a good way. But what if God says, hey, I want, to, I want 2016, end of 2015, end of 2016, I want you to start pursuing training yourself unto godliness, exercising yourself unto godliness, so your schedule, your, your planning, everything you've got just so, I want you to give it to me. Ooh. I want you to give it to me. Right? Turn to Romans 12.1. Look, look at, this is what we looked at last week. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, right? If we're going to continue to pursue godliness and transformation, daily we have to say, Lord, I'm yours. Daily we, we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, our whole being. And we say, God, I give up all right to myself. I give up all right to myself. And, and this is one of those things that, that I know we can teach, we can preach, but it's one of those things, guys, that, that you really have to take the time to, to really get with God and, and really just spend the time you need to. Because people say, hey, hey, hey Richie, what, what makes you tick? What, you know, apart from ministry and everything like that, just as a believer, what where are you at? What, what makes you tick? Okay, so, so I want to share with you. This, this is where I'm at with this Romans 12 and why it's been integral to my life. Here's where I am. Way back when I was being, you know, evangelized by my now wife, <laughs> who would bring me to church and Bible study and all this. I wasn't even a believer. As I was seeking, as I was hearing the gospel preached to me, and I, I took the time and I sat there and I said, okay, let me think about this. Time out. Let me, just, let me just get this straight. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means me. Because I grew up going to church and I thought I was a good moral person. Yada, yada, yada. Just do enough good works and I'll, I'll get my way to heaven. That's how I grew up. Someone said, no. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. So I was like, okay. So that means I'm a sinner. I'm guilty before God. I'm under God's wrath and judgment. I'm on my way to hell if I die without Jesus. Yes. Okay, okay. Got that. Now, you're telling me that Jesus Christ was sent to earth as the Lamb of God to die for my sins. And you're telling me that if I put my faith in Him as having paid my, my penalty for my sins that I could never be good enough to earn, you're telling me just by grace through faith in Him, I'm a child of God and I'm going to heaven. Yes. So I thought, okay. Hell. 
faith in Jesus, heaven for all eternity. I came to the conclusion I need to put my faith in Jesus. But beyond that, here's, here's, here's where it got, got all weird and why I left law school and why I did all that kind of stuff. I was on my way to hell. Through faith in Christ, I'm on my way to heaven. What claim do I have anymore to anything of me? What possible claim do I have to anything in my life? I was on my way to hell. By grace, through faith in Jesus, I'm a new creation. I'm going to heaven for eternity. What can I possibly be arguing with, about, with God about stuff on earth? That's what makes me tick. That, that, that's where I'm at. On my way to hell, going to heaven. What? Okay. Here you go. <laughs> I got no claim. I got no claim on anything. He sent Jesus. He set it up that it's grace through faith. He saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a child of God. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. What claim do I have to anything in my life? That's what makes me tick. Not even put pastoring. As a believer, that's the process I went through that, and that eventually ended me being here. But way back when I was in, in, in a student at law school, and, and I remember sitting down talking to my wife, and I went through that exact process. So you're telling me, and you tell me, and then I said to her, what else matters? And, and God used that moment to, to change my desires, to send me down the road to leaving law school, getting involved in ministry, and just, that's, that's my, my journey. And so when, when Paul says in Romans 12, 1, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Heaven, hell, grace. Yeah, why not? Okay, yeah, sure. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> Just makes perfect sense, right, Wes? It's simple, right? Wes is, Wes, it's simple, right? So if you do that then, how does that play out? How do you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? What do you do? What does that mean tomorrow when you wake up? Okay. You wear a sign that says, I'm a living sacrifice and walk around town. What does that mean practically? Right? And that's where we slide into Romans 12 too. Because he tells you. He says, hey, in light of God's grace and mercy... Present yourself a living sacrifice. And in Romans 12, 2, he begins to tell you what that means practically. What that means practically. But before we get there, I want to show you a video that many of you have seen, but it ties right into this. And here's, here's how I want, I want you to, behind the scenes as we watch this. It's really about transformation. And you're going to see people get transformed in the video. But I want to ask you to ask yourself, can that still happen to me? Can, is, is, does God still want to transform me? Okay? So let's watch this and then we'll continue on. Could that be you? See, the thing is we often, we often see videos like that and we think, oh yeah, those people really need that. But I'm good. 
I'm good. I want to invite you, I want to encourage you that, that God's not finished with you. He still wants to transform you. Radically transform you. Supernaturally transform you. To do things and to be someone as this new creation in Christ that as you sit here to now, even a year from now, you could be sitting here going, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's God's supernatural transformative power. And oftentimes in the church, we just limit Him to saying, God, just make me good. I just want to be good. No, He says, no, I want to transform you. I want to do something supernatural in you and then use you supernaturally for my kingdom purposes. Amen? It's transformation. It's transformation. So this morning, this morning the question is, are you willing to be transformed? Are you willing to be transformed? Willing. Not just, hey, that's, that sounds good. But are you willing? And what does that mean? What does that mean? And, and in Romans 12, 2, he, he gives us some practicality. And we're going we're gonna to look through this to the rest of our time this morning and then into next week. He says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2, first part of it. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I love some different translations. Look at the new, listen to the New Living Translation about Romans 12, 2. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Here's another one. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So there's two aspects to this. I'm okay, Lord, I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice. I want transformation. The first aspect, right there, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. Of the world. It's a command. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. And that, that word there in the original language is where we get the word scheme. Okay? And here's a, the here's a definition. To form according to a pattern or mold. To form or mold one's behavior in accordance with a pattern or set of standards. Question. Right now. Who's molding your life? What is the pattern that you have put onto your life to follow? And I shared last week, this is really tough in this country because we bleed in a lot of the American dream value system into Christianity in this country. And we sort of assume that, that Christianity and the American value, American dream are supposed to just fit hand in hand. No, not really. In fact, that's where a lot of people get, oh, wow, really? That's tough. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. That's, that's tough. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know what's interesting? The, the way it's written, there's, it's called an imperative. You know what he says? Stop doing this. 
He's telling believers, the church at Rome, he says, hey, you're already allowing the world to mold you and shape you. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. And then he says it's ongoing. This not conforming to the world's value system is an ongoing command. Every moment of every day. And that's tough. Because we are bombarded by the world's value system. I was watching some clips from Black Friday brawling all across the country. Right? Black Friday. And I, you know, in the past, I've lined up for my little kiddos to get the little wee thing or whatever. And I sat there in light of where we're at and what I've been studying. And I sat there and I watched these videos. And I was like, wow. Wow. That's just a crazy example of being conformed to the values and schemes of the world. Right? And, and we, go, we go, oh, well, yeah, those people, those Black Friday shoppers, crazy! But what about our own life? What in your life and my life outwardly isn't so crazy, but is really worldly? Is really worldly. Is really more driven by your culture, your experiences, everything from the American dream versus this. Versus this. And this, this is where, you know, this is where it takes time. And it's convicting. And you're like, Lord, wow, really? Really? Because let me give you an example. I'm going I'm to turn to Matthew 5. Let's just jump to here. Let's go a little bit out. Let's look at some of these Bible view versus the world view. Just to, to, to get you to understand what we're talking about here. That it's not the really bad sins that we're not supposed to do. Right? Matthew 5:43 All right, so we're not we're talking about not being conformed to the world. So, Matthew 5:43 You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Woohoo! Really? You see, you have heard that it was said. What's he talking about? The world says, hey, the world says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. My guess is that verse alone is already challenging some of you. Because there are some people in your life that you don't like very well right now. And you've kind of been conforming to the world because you kind of like are mad. And the last thing you thought was to love them. And the last thing you're doing is praying for them. When was the last time you got persecuted at work and the first thought that came to your mind was, I'm going to pray for you. I love you and I'm going to pray for you. No, right? Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Okay, let's look at another one. Let's go to Matthew 6, 31.
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What? I thought my first priority was food, clothing, and shelter. And he flips it. It's called the upside-down kingdom. He says, no, no, that's the world. If, you, if your priority is food, clothing, and shelter, like the pagans, you got to flip it. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, there's application of Romans 12 too, right? There's application. And let's look at Matthew 20. One more example of not being conformed to the world in a very practical way. Matthew 20, verse 24. Let's start in verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, so what's the American dream? Be the boss. Have people serve you. Then you'll be great. That's the American dream. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And along comes Jesus and He says, "Uh, Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Whoop! You see? This is Romans 12 too played out in real life. And this is where it takes time. Because you have to assess. There have been times in my life where you've got to ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing, really? What's really driving me? Am I still caught up in wanting status? Am I still caught up in wanting the symbols that the culture says, you're a success. You're, a good, you're, you're good. You've achieved something. You've arrived. And along comes Jesus and says, no, be a servant and slave in my kingdom. No, don't get, don't get caught up in, in food, clothing, and shelter as a first thing. Seek me first. You see, this is where if we're, if we're going to allow God to transform us, we've got to allow Him to speak to us and speak truth to us. And so the, the, the question is, what areas in your life and my life are molded after the pattern of the world? And 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 I, I gotta be honest with you, this 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 is a toughie. Because not only is it challenging for you to make the change, but you got people around you that aren't gonna understand. See, I grew up in a very successful family. My brother went to the Naval Academy, my sister went to the Air Force Academy, I got an uncle who was on the Supreme Court of the Philippines. On the Supreme Court of the country of the Philippines. So I came from this very success driven family. And I was just next in line. So I was going to go to UCLA and I was going to go be a lawyer. Got accepted to law school. Everything was just going swimmingly. Until (laughs) I met Jesus. (laughs) Now there's nothing wrong with all of that. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm honest with you, it was just, I was 100% conforming to the pattern of the world of what success was. 
100% define my success as a man, as a husband, by how much money I was going to make and, and my title and what kind of car and what kind of house. That was it. I, I'd be honest with that. And so I meet Jesus. He, he begins to move in my life, transforms me, and he puts me into ministry, and I have to make a decision about leaving law school. Didn't go over very well with the fam. In fact, you're going to do what? So you're going to do what? And the follow-up question was, because I was being a youth pastor, how much does that pay? (sighs) But I had to be true to the convictions that God was putting on my heart. I had to be true to that. And I had to weather that storm of disapproval, disagreement, anger. But what about? But what about? Da 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 da. And and it was it wasn't pressure from the world. It was pressure from those nearest to me, with the best of intentions, because they cared about me and loved me, right? It was about, oh no, what are you going to do? How are you going to provide for your wife and kid? You know. And so, this idea of okay, Lord, show me show me areas in my life where I'm I'm actually being conformed to the pattern, the mold of the world. That that in and of itself is a process. And here's the thing. Once He shows you, then comes repentance. See, we've talked about the, the, there's, there's recognition as a believer. We, we, we're really good at recognizing things and sins and shortcomings. But there's a missing link that the, the, the bridge for life change is repentance. Changing your mind and changing your actions. That's where a lot of us go like this. And we get to a level of goodness. And at this level of goodness, now we focus on recognizing our shortcomings. We recognize it. We agree with you, Pastor. I need to be doing this. I oughtn't to be doing that. But the reason we don't go up is because we don't really repent. We really don't want to. We're not willing to change. And, and, and that's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. Because Romans 12, 2 is pretty. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. He says this, don't try to match your life to the fashions of the world. Don't be like a chameleon which takes its color from its surroundings. You know what happens in the music industry? This is really glaring. In the, in the secular music world, a certain genre of music comes out and is really popular. The Christian music industry says, hey, that's really popular. Let's learn it and mimic it. So they're always a little behind because... And by the time they get there, the secular world has moved on. And the Christian industry, the Christian world, they're like, what's up with Christian music? They're always like behind the times. It's because sometimes we get so caught up as Christians trying to mimic what we think is cool in the world. So we shift. Oh, there's the world. We've got to be like that. We gotta be that. By the time we get there, the world has moved. We're not to be chasing the pattern and the mold of the world. We're to be chasing Jesus. Amen? This is this right here. This keeps us right where we need to be. Right where we need to be. Right? And what he's saying here is this. Hey, this conforming to the pattern. He says, basically, he says, hey, don't act externally in ways that don't match who you are in Christ. He says, you Christians, don't be acting like the world. Don't be following the pattern of the world when that's not who you are as a believer. 
So then that begs the question, who are you? Do you know who you are as a believer? Right? Turn to Philippians. Turn to Philippians. There's a few books to your right. Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20. We'll start in 18. 3.18. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, according to that verse, where is your citizenship? Heaven. Your citizenship isn't here. And what he's saying when it says don't conform to the world, he says don't be acting like an earth dweller. See, in Philippians 3.20, that was a Roman colony. So the, the, the people in, in Philippi, they acted like they were Roman citizens. They were hundreds of miles away from Rome, but they said, no, we're a Roman colony. We, have, we obey Roman laws here. We act like Romans. We have Roman customs. Philippi was a little Rome. And what Paul is saying, hey, you believers, you're a colony on this planet. Your citizenship is in heaven. Act like a heaven dweller. That's all he's saying. When you're here, don't conform to the earth. Don't conform to the earth dwellers. Show them what a heaven dweller lives like. Amen. You see, here's here's the great thing. A lot of times we look at Christianity as a bunch of do nots. Do not, do not, do not. What he's saying in Romans twelve two is, be a heaven dweller, be a follower of Jesus, and do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Seek first the kingdom of God. You hear the do's? What he's saying in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is yield yourself to me and simply live out who you are inside. Live out who you are. Your citizenship isn't on earth, so stop acting like an earth dweller. But are you willing? Am I willing? That, that's, that's challenging. That's challenging, Right? I love this verse, Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Listen, live as children of light. You were once darkness, you're light in the Lord, live as children of light. So here's a question. Does the pattern of your external match who you are internal? And here's the crazy thing about transformation. As you yield, as you say, Lord, I don't want to conform, renew my mind, All he's doing is letting your external match your internal. All he's doing is say, hey, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. All he's doing is saying, hey, can you get out of the way? Present yourself to me. Let me transform you. And then the world will see what a believer is all about. That's what it is. And you know the glorious thing about repentance? It's liberation. It's liberation. It's freedom. When you get to the place as a believer and you can use the word repent in, in, a, in the biblical sense, like, oh man, I need to repent of that. Oh yeah, I need to change my mind. You're now becoming liberated. And what are you liberated to do? Follow Jesus. Because you're liberated from pride. You're liberated from 
controlling everything. And you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing these, this area or these areas in my life. I acknowledge I need to repent. I need to change my mind. And I do. So now I'm going to do what I need to do. That's liberation. That's liberation, guys. That's that abundant life Jesus talks about. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's it. See, a lot of times in the church, the, 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 repent, the word repentance is like a scarlet R. And we're ashamed. And the devil says, uh, uh, uh. Oh, Susan, really? What are they going to think about you? If you admit those issues to the other ladies, oh, my, my, my. In the church, we've become so bound up and so fearful of what other people are going to think that we can't even repent because we're scared to share it. We're scared. And all biblical repentance is is acknowledging I don't have it all together. Anyone? Who here does not have it all together? Okay, if you don't have it all together, you're probably going to have to repent at some point. Amen? Okay, okay, let me help you. Who here does not have it all together? Hold your hands up. Now look around the room. It's okay, look around. Look, you're in good company. Okay? Guys, there's freedom. There's freedom. Repentance isn't meant to bind us up. Repentance is meant to free us. Free us to what? Be transformed. And we're going to look next week at transformed. And if you glance ahead, it says be transformed. It's passive, which means somebody is transforming you. It's not all on you. The question is, are you willing to be transformed? It says be transformed. It's passive. Let it happen. Are you willing to let it happen? <laughs> okay, God. Are you willing? And I, 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 I'll be honest with you. Okay, there's things in my life. Yeah, I give it up. And then I call them one-handers in process. And then there's two-handers that scare me to death if I were to give it up because I'm so used to holding on to it that I'm terrified. I'm terrified of what it would mean if I gave it to a good God. Because it's all I know. It's all I know. From a little kid, things have happened in my life that I wish didn't. And I cling to them. And along comes God and says, I'm a good God. Will you give it to me? I'll transform you. I'll transform you. If you're feeling kind of stuck in your walk with the Lord, ask yourself and ask Him to show you what it is you're clinging to. That's probably the very thing you need to give up by faith and trust. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for being a good God that desires our good. Oh, Lord, not easy 
teaching, not easy. And so, Father, I just will simply ask You to speak to our hearts about the areas in our life where maybe we're conformed to the world's value system. And we didn't even know it because things have been good. And so, Father, help us to identify them and then to repent. To have a real change of mind regarding the values and and the things in our life that are not according to Your pattern, not according to Your will or word. And then, Father, for those areas in our life where, quite frankly, it's just scary. I want to be transformed. I I see videos and I would love to have that freedom and joy and yet I'm confronted, Lord, with the fear of what it would be like not to cling to this thing. And so I ask You in the power of the Holy Spirit to give me the faith and the courage to trust You and to, to surrender and to walk in newness of life, to see that issue in my life that pain, that hurt, whatever happened through the lens of the Bible. Through the lens of who I am today as a new creation in Christ. Through the lens of who You are. And as we, uh, as we take communion once again, we do it in remembrance of You, Jesus, and we also do it as a time of reflection. And Lord, maybe this time of communion, You'll identify things in our life that we need to repent of. Where we have been conformed to the pattern of the world. We need to choose, simply choose to have our mind renewed. Simply choose to repent. Simply choose to put on new behaviors as we walk by faith and obedience. And so we're going to bring the communion table up front again. And and if you profess Christ as your Savior and Lord and want to celebrate communion as a sacrament of remembrance of Jesus, you can come up and grab two cups they are stacked and you can go back to your seat and have a time of prayer and reflection and then we'll, we'll close. Lord Jesus, we thank You and we do remember what You did for us on Calvary and we do even pray and give an opportunity now for those here that have never never changed their mind about who You are, Jesus that You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if You are here and You've never changed Your mind about Jesus, I pray that before You leave, You would do so. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. And in the quietness of your heart, you can say, Lord Jesus, the best way I know how, I'm trusting You as my Savior and Lord. I believe You died for my sin. And I'm changing my mind. I'm repenting about who you are and placing my faith in you.